Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Campionato di calcio italiano! Good evening and welcome to the latest Forza Italian Football Podcast, the only Italian football podcast bringing you into Italy and into the Serie A stadiums every single week. As ever, I am your host, Connor Clancy. And joining me this week, once again, Kevin Bogazelski. Kev, hello. Hi, Connor. How are you? I'm not too bad, actually. I'm a lot better than I was last week, put it that way. Last week was a horrendous weekend and this week I... Made it to Centrale in time to get the train back to Parma, so I have no complaints. Good, good. Um, and also joining us is Vito Doria. Vito, hello. Hi, Connor. Uh, enjoying the podcast so far, and once again, I'm looking forward to chatting with you guys despite the latest results. So uh, I'm not holding in a cave despite what went on during the weekend. Yeah, well, look, if we were going to be hiding in caves, Vito it would just be Kev here on his own this week. So we can't do that. But I am going to make you start with the game that finished at about 8 o'clock this evening, Italian time, which was Inter 2, Sampdoria 1. And this was not just Inter winning, Kev. This was Inter without Mauro Icardi. They didn't need him. No, they didn't. Um, I thought it was a really, really entertaining game, particularly the second half. You know, Both sides were willing to go forward and attack each other. And, uh, yeah, I don't know what Mauro would have thought looking on from the sidelines alongside uh, Wanda. I think there were some question marks as to whether he would be there. And uh, I know you uh, tweeted the uh, fans' reaction when he was shown on the uh, on the big screen. Is it safe to say that they weren't too pleased, Kev? They weren't, they weren't <laughs> too pleased. And uh, dare I say, it's about time that uh, they cut their losses with him, really, and just gave everybody a little bit of a a fresh break. We will we will get to Icardi in a minute, but I want to start by talking about the players that did actually play because I think we will be guilty of it in about five minutes, but Icardi has kind of taken over everything that's gone on at Inter and I do want to give some praise to the players that played because 
Inter looked more fluid than I've seen them all season. I said this in my post-match video as well, but this is one of the most impressive attacking performances that I've seen from them all year. And it came without their best striker. Matteo Politano, Ivan Perisic and Lautaro Martinez um, were kind of a front three with Rajan Angelan operating there as the, the 10. And Vito, they, they looked good. They were swapping positions. They were moving around. They... They looked to take more risks and all that was missing for most of it was that final finishing touch. That's what it definitely looked like, especially in that second half. Uh, With both teams going at it, it seemed that Inter played with greater confidence. And I just remember the previous times on the Spalletti where he talked about mentality and that the mentality was not good enough in certain matches. Here it was right and the style of play really came off. This was, you know, like the Spalletti of uh, yesteryear when he was at Roma. This is the type of football they should be playing from now until the end of the season. And uh, you could argue that uh, without Icardi, that's why they're playing with this confidence. Perhaps he is the problem, and we'll talk about that later, as you said, but maybe without him, this has galvanised the team and it's created you know, greater unity or greater trust within each other. They looked like they had a sense of purpose as opposed to previous weeks. Yeah, they it's did kind look of sluggish other times. Mm. You know, there's the, um, the basketball theory, Patrick Ewing theory, that when a team loses their best player, they, they become greater than the sum of their parts because everyone else just ups it. Do you think it was just a case of that this evening, Kev? Or is there something to this interside without him? that everyone just feels a little bit more free. Yeah, no, possibly. There was an element previously under Spalletti where they looked a little robotic. They were just going through the motions and maybe that was playing or attempting to play to Akadi's strengths. You certainly saw Perisic have a much better game today. Um, You know, whether that was him sort of bringing his level up because he he knew he was making making up for the loss of Akadi. Um. But, but yeah, it just seemed to be a more more of a desire from all of them to to go out and grab the grab the victory. I thought Perisic was amazing, which I've not said for a while, and I thought I wouldn't say that about him in an intershirt again. I thought he would just move on, but he was really really good. So was Politano. I was surprised when he got taken off, and although Lautaro Martinez has his flaws, he he looks a bit light on his feet for someone who's going to lead the line and. He's not as clinical as his compatriot in front of goal. He he seems to work quite nicely in that front three or four or whatever you want to call it. Vito, Rajan Angelan slotted in quite nicely there. He was not as lively in the second, or in the first half rather, as in the second. But he looks like he's getting one step closer to being the Angelan we all know. On the basis of the goal against Sampdoria and also his uh, assist last week against Parma, um, I'm sure a lot of people would like to think that he is slowly regaining his form and his confidence. I think it's important that he does because despite his age, I think he can still be an important player for Inter if he's got his, uh, um, his mind on the game. If he just focuses on his football instead of smoking like a chimney, I think he can be an asset to this inter side. And with the way things are due to this Icardi saga, 
I think his experience and his uh, quality is much needed for Spalletti and his teammates. Yeah, well, you've got, if he is going to play in that front four as well with Politano and Lautaro, they're not exactly experienced with playing in big matches and things like that, whereas Nangalan is, Perisic is. They, they could use their experience to be incredibly beneficial to that team. Kev, you weren't all that impressed with... Well, yeah, I know before coming uh, online, I said I wasn't that impressed with that. I'd actually let him off and say that it was more more the team. I think the lack of Icardi meant that I was I was watching him and Martinez to see, obviously, how they were going to sort of interchange. And for the majority of the first period, into almost bypass Nanglin. They looked wide or they looked beyond him. There was the... There was the uh, the moment when uh, whoever it was played the ball forward for Martinez, they just seemed to be going above him or or either side of him without actually getting the ball. Second half, when he had, he was actually receiving the ball and he was looking for little one twos with Perisic and you know to create a lot more, it was it was a lot better. But they needed to actually get him on the ball if they're going to play him there behind uh, behind a central striker. Yeah, see, in the first half, it looked like a lot of the time. Nangalan was coming deep for that pass, but Inter were preferring to go a little bit more direct. You saw um, Gagliardini set Lautaro through early on with a great ball over the top. Mm. And a lot of the time, Inter were looking for that option rather than trying to play it through Nangalan. It, it slightly changed in the second half because it wasn't quite working for them. But I'm hesitant to say he's back, but he's definitely on his way back. And and Spalletti said as much in the press conference afterwards as well. He said, he's, oh, look, I'm delighted with him. It's another step forward. He's doing things that he wasn't doing when we weren't happy with him. And yeah, he's on his way. There was one instance in the first half. I'm trying to picture which end it was. At. Yes, it was the first half where there was a big switch over to Lautaro, I think, on the left. And I immediately looked to see where Nangolan was. And he was still about 20 yards behind the play trying his hardest to keep up, but he just couldn't. So he's still not quite at peak fitness, but maybe he won't ever get back quite to that level. But he's definitely showing signs of progress. Um, Hamza has come in in the comments, hello, to say that Epic Brazo was good. What do you think, Vito? He, he was good, but... Um, uh... I probably think probably a few other players caught my eye a bit more than uh, Brozovic, to be honest. Uh, you know, to move away from Hamza's question, I thought Milan Skriniar had an excellent game. And the way Sampdoria was coming in the last 10 minutes, uh, I thought uh, Skriniar was the difference between Inter securing the three points and uh, them possibly squandering the win and some getting a draw. Yeah, just... just- Stick with the midfield before we go back to that. I I think that balance of Brozovic and Gagliardini playing together kind of works. It, it works quite nicely, especially if Nangalan's going to be the guy in front of them because these two players have legs and they're more than willing to do the defensive work, especially Gagliardini. He's, he is quite limited um, technically. So he's going to be the one who sits all the time and Brozovic can move. And I thought that that duo worked quite well, although Brozovic, I think, was probably the worst of Inter's players, with the exception of maybe Dalbert. I think Brozovic was probably the worst after him. But yeah, I think it worked. It worked okay. 
you mentioned Skriniar. I was as impressed with him as I was with Stefan de Vrij. I was keeping quite a, like, a close eye on what Qualiarella was getting up to. And the answer was not very much because de Vrij didn't leave him for a second. And the same was true of Skriniar with de Frel. We, we do have another comment from Uyi who says that de Frel wasn't effective. He was never really given a chance to be. They, the, the inter-defensive pairing has just proven so, so good. They, in all their Serie A games before today, there had only been three goals in 2019. Um, I think it was a 1-0, a 1-0, a 0-0, and a 1-0 or something. And a large part of that is because of these two guys they've got at the back, Kev. Yeah, and I think if uh, if it wasn't for them, they might have slipped to a couple of defeats maybe. Because, you know, they've not been scoring goals. They've not been creating very much. And you look at the table and you see how they've managed to, to hold on to that third place. And it's because of that sort of defensive um, resolve they've got there with, you know, uh, we always say about Handanovic is um, is uh, with the ball at his feet. But um, with those three, you know, they're not going to lose a lot, of, a lot of goals. No, definitely not. <laughs> Hamza has just said he has a strange feeling that City will sign Gagliardini, Manchester City, as a replacement for Fernandinho. But Gagliardini's passing is nowhere near good enough to play for Manchester City. So I don't think that will be happening. All right, guys. Let's do that. It's Hamza, his agent. <laughs> Quite possibly. Quite possibly. Right. Let's address the elephant in the room. Mauro Icardi. I wrote about him in midweek. You can head over to ForzItalianFootball.com and read that. Kev, is it time that Inter just cut their losses and let him move on? Yeah, it definitely is. Um, the, the problem I have with this now is the whole to in and fro in and, you know, all the media attention this is getting and stripping him of the captaincy is that you're, you're showing your hand effectively to potential clubs. You know, there are only a few that will probably pay the, the money that Inter want to actually get for him, you know, and if they can actually generate enough cash to, to strengthen the side in other areas, then, you know, it's, it's a win, it's a win, win for Inter really. But I just think that the more they they're showing everybody they need to get rid of him really quite quickly because you want to end this situation fairly quickly in the summer. It's not going to help them. No, but is it at the point now where they don't care? They just want him gone, and they're willing to lose twenty million on his fee. Uh, well, yeah, it might be, um, but I think Inter haven't got that luxury. They've they've got a if they want to challenge Juve for a title. Or even leapfrog Napoli, they they need they need money to actually bring in um, further playing resources. It's it's hard to imagine anyone challenging Juve, which is mm-hmm. a, quite a depressing reality. But Fido, what do you make of the whole Icardi situation? Because when I was sharing my article, I said it, it's that time of year again. Icardi has turned Inter into a circus, and it does feel like you could mark it in your calendar that. Every single season, he will do something to annoy the Inter fans and cause unrest at the club. And for someone who's supposed to be a captain, who's supposed to be quite affectionate about this club, it's not acceptable. Absolutely not. I think Icardi has been selfish in his attitude, but his wife and agent wonder, I think her attitude in this situation has been a lot worse. The way she conducts herself on social media, especially since December, 
I think, uh, shows a lack of uh, professionalism on her part. Uh, it looks like she's clearly out for her own interests and maybe models, but uh, it seems like she's more in it for herself than her husband. And I think this is bad for Winter because it looks bad on them as a club. And I'm sure that off the field, the way they interact in the locker room, training ground, and when, fr- when they fraternise outside of the club surroundings, I'm sure this does not create a good atmosphere or create some good bonding sessions. No. Uh, come even, to the point that something about it. Even off the pitch, though, the, the fans were so, so angry. I got the video. I only got the back end of the whistling by the time I realized what, I just heard whistles and I didn't really know what was happening. And then I looked up at the screen and then the whistles got louder and louder and louder as everyone realized why people were whistling. And then as soon as their picture disappeared off the screen, it, it just went dead silent. So it was clear that that's what was happening. And if you are a club who wants to buy a striker and I know Icardi is incredible. He's, possibly the best number nine around. But he brings so much unnecessary baggage with him that it would put you off. And I don't want to bring up the whole thing with his teammates, with Maxi Lopez before, but the fact is he has done that, which caused unrest. Now he is causing unrest by doing whatever he's doing. There are rumors that he's already agreed terms with Juventus. I'm not sure how true they are, but it's it's just unbelievable. Like, I don't even know what else to say, Kev, but Inter would probably be better off without him, even taking a loss on the field for, what, six months while they find a way to recover. Yeah, it's it's interesting, the Juventus link, because they're, what, probably the most stable club in Syria, and then they why would they even contemplate signing someone that could just rip through that dressing room, apparently, with one, I don't know... I was gonna go. I was gonna go somewhere about, about <laughs> teammates, but I won't. <laughs> no, but the, the thing about it is, I, I'm not saying he's going to Juve because I do think they'd be crazy to take him. They don't need him, but if he did, his his antics just wouldn't be tolerated there. Chiellini would smack him. Bonucci would smack him. They just wouldn't have it. Not a chance. Anyway. They're very serious at Juventus, so. Doesn't matter if it's just Chiellini or Bonucci, the rest of the club won't tolerate that. And I'm sure that if uh, Icardi and Wanda step out of line, you know, uh, Andrea Agnelli, Pavel Nedved, Fabio Paratici, you know, that will hold uh, Icardi to account and th- they'll make uh, life living hell for those two if they go to the event, if Icardi does go to Juventus and he puts a foot out of line. Mm. It does seem more and more likely that he's just going to end up at Real Madrid. I, I think that is, if he does move on, where he will end up. But Benzema has been fantastic this season, so maybe he wouldn't even get a look in. Anyway, that's enough, Inter. Let's go to their cross-city cousins. AC Milan got a big, big win in Bergamo. They came from behind to beat Atalanta 3-1. And, Vito, is it too harsh to say they did it without even playing that well? You can say that to a point, but I don't think it's uh, overly harsh. Uh, in, Atalanta played very well when it came to the possession aspects of the game, but it was just when it came to that final third, Gomez and Zapata did not look as influential as they usually were. And the Milan back four played pretty well. Uh, Romagnoli was solid. 
And surprisingly, Matija Musakyo, I thought, was good defensively, and he's usually more known for being a ball-playing defender. So it was good to see improvements in the defensive aspects of the game from him and from the Rossoneri in general. The big difference now is that when you have a shock like Piontek, uh, he really made the difference, and he capitalised on those times where Atalanta's defence looked open, and you could see that the absence of Gianluca Mancini in defence uh, eventually did hurt Ladea. Yeah, well, it, the defence didn't even need to be that open because Piontek is just so lethal. That that first goal, that equalising goal, was phenomenal. That's got to be goal of the week, a contender for goal of the month, even goal of the season, to take it like that. Kev, I don't even know how to describe it. Oh, it was beautiful. It, it's it's one of those. It's where, where the angle is just completely. You're not. You're expecting him to bring the ball down, try and turn onto his what is his stronger right foot, and he just sort of hooks it not over his shoulder, but blind. Well, not again, not even blindly, but it's just the way he uses. What, he uses the, yeah, just uses his body position to just hook it over his shoulder and beat and beat the goalkeepers was wonderful mm. what, what's impressive about him is and I said this so many times this season his movement he does these little half runs just to confuse defenders and send them one way and then he goes the other and you could just see there's a, an excellent photo of when the ball just leaves Piontek's foot and Jim City's face he just knows he's lost his man he's in trouble because it's him and he's he's go- given he's given them what they should have had with Higuain you know they've got they've gone over, they've gone to Atalanta, they're away from home. Atalanta are a couple of points behind. They they're going to have the majority of the possession. They're the favourites for the game essentially. But when you've got a striker that is taking majority of his chances, well, was he he's seven in eight or, or whatever the stats are? It fills you with that confidence that you can ride out the waves of sort of an Atalanta attack or just long spells of not having the ball. And that when the chance comes, he's going to stick it away. And, you know, for all of Higuain's credentials, he never really offered that for Milan this season too often. Mm, he is frighteningly clinical. I know I'm, I'm quite reluctant to say it, but is it possible? Is it humanly possible for him to keep up this strike rate between now and the end of the season? Because it's not normal. I think it will tail off a little. Um but I think he can, you know, his goal scoring rate, I think will still continue to the end of the season. It it depends on what he does through the summer. You know, does his head get turned by other clubs? Does he sit on his holidays and think that he's maybe a little bit better and he has to not maybe work so hard? Because he's obviously worked hard to get to the level he's at now. Um, I don't know whether he takes takes a position in the national side ahead of Milik and then that makes him, you know, I think it's about mentality after the end of the season. I think he'll keep the run going until then. It does seem like he has the right mentality though. Mm. All of the players seem to love him. When he got the goal, the players were doing the the pom-pom-pom celebration. You could hear them say it and you could see them do it. And he's just so loved. And as someone else, Vito, we were speaking about Milan defensively and how Musacchio looks like a competent defender now. A large part of that is surely to do with the fact that he's got Timo Bakayoko in front of him providing this cover. Bakayoko has really improved this season. It looks like he's returned to his Monaco form as opposed to looking 
at a place like he did at Chelsea. So I think that's been very beneficial for the defence, having cover in front of them. And also, you know, in the midfield, they've got him just keeping the passes simple and probably makes things easier for the midfielders like uh, Takata and Kessie for him to do what he does. They, the th- that midfield trio offers different characteristics. So they all have their own uh, input and uh, Akiyoko has been fantastic in his role. Fido, Milan now somewhat consolidating their place in the Champions League spots. Is it theirs to lose? This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Now that there are only 14 rounds left, it's come to the point that it probably is the place to lose. And for many rounds, at least in the middle of the campaign, there weren't many points separating 4th and 12th. Now I see teams sort of bridging apart. There are other teams, including Milan, that are starting to really become more consistent and get more points on the board. So I think they'll... They'll have a good case to hold on. They should be able to do the form the players are in. And another thing, too, is that you just got the rivals below them, like Roma, Lazio. Then if you include Fiorentina, Torino, and maybe Samp, a lot of them are dropping off. Whereas with, let's say, Atalanta, I think it just might be a blip. But the way things are, maybe Atalanta will have to settle for Europa League action again. I think they'd be more than happy to settle for European football, to be honest with you. Kev, um, we have another comment. Um, Paqueta reminds someone of Marikamsic. Thoughts? Um, I, I don't know. He's uh, he, he doesn't do, you know, when you think about Hamsik when he first started at Napoli, he, he's not that, shall we say, all-action driving midfielder, you know, driving late into the box to score. He's he's got a little bit more craft and guile and creativity in his past. Not that Hamsik didn't, but yeah, to, I think to compare the two would be um, a little difficult at this stage. Yeah, okay. 
It was a stretch. It was a stretch. Mm. But he, he does look exciting, to give him credit. Let's move on again. Vito, Genoa to Lazio won. I didn't see this one coming, and I'm sure you didn't either. <laughs> no, not at all. But uh, again, it looks like that Cesare Prandelli is doing a solid job there at Genoa. It must also be said that uh, Lazio are still missing Sergei Malinkovic-Savic, so that probably helped Genoa a bit. That being said, I think uh, Genoa should get credit for, you know, keep on battling even though Lazio had taken the lead and actually had some decent chances to add to that lead, but Radu had a top game. Then uh, Sanabria scored his third goal in just four Serie A games. It's quite impressive considering he only scored two and 15 for Real Betis in La Liga. So um, it seems that they're getting on with life without Piontek and uh, Sanabria, despite not looking like much at Roma, he seems to be maturing a little bit more and eager to prove himself. And I think having someone like him there makes a difference. And then uh, Crescito, he's been uh, one of the, you know, the bandiere so to speak, despite his spell at Zenit. And, uh, yeah, scored a real captain's goal there with that strike at the end. So I'm sure the Griffoni fans will be very happy with the captain and how he's been performing for them. Yeah, Milan must be delighted too, because at least they know in the summer when Piontek moves on for £70 million to Barcelona, they can just go and snap up Sanabria. And, of course, he'll just keep going at Milan the way he's been going at Genoa. That's how it works, Kev, right? <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, Sanabria was a little lucky today. You know, you think Lucas just smashed the ball into his shin, I think, and then it just sort of trickled past the goalkeeper. Um, it must but, have been yeah. heartbreaking for you to see Lucas guilty of something. Oh, uh, wow, yeah. But uh, he, he, yeah, he's, he should have... He, I don't, he didn't start, did he, for Lazio? Sorry, I saw the highlights. And I was just a little surprised at that. They, you know, I think we were a bit surprised at Genoa 1, but Lazio have looked a little out of sorts the last couple. You know, I watched them against Sevilla in the week and there's just something missing at the moment. They seem to be going through the motions and maybe need to pick up a, you know, pick up a lucky, lucky last minute win, a bit like Genoa that maybe will snowball into a run of results and get them back into the uh, the discussion about Champions League um, qualification. Yeah, it is quite unlike them all, right? Because... They a lot of people tip them to be almost nailed on for top four, especially given what was going on at the other clubs. But they're four points adrift of it now, and it's concerning for for them, for for Atalanta, for everyone else there really, except for Roma, obviously, because they play Bologna tomorrow. Anyway, next game up, where shall we go? Let's go to Spal one Fiorentina four. This was this was quite exciting because Vito. Andrea Patania, first things first, proved that he can score goals against other teams who are not named Atalanta. And to give him his credit, he's doing quite well with the Bianca Zuri this season. Well, he's scored nine goals so far this season, which is his highest tally ever. I heard in the commentary that that's more Serie A goals in one season for him than what he did in two seasons with Atalanta. And I had a look, his level with Leonardo Pavoletti from Cagliari and Mauro Icardi, so can't be doing uh, too bad. I didn't realise he had the same number as Icardi, actually. That is impressive. This is, I, I really like Batania. I, I, I was quite disappointed to see him move on from Atalanta, but not in a way that I didn't understand it, because 
Zapata came in and he can do everything Patania does but score more goals and so it's proven this season. But Kev, there there was a situation in this. Um, Uyuz commented, the spell were hard done by. The, the harsh reality is a VAR. Yeah, it was a, it was a strange one. It, it was the right it was the right call. Uh, Chiesa did get tripped in the box, but it's it's one of those things that does for all for all the benefits of VAR, it does make you hate it, you know, because it's a bit. There's the scenario where you score and then you have to, you know, your 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 joy is tempered by the fact that you're waiting for some form of okay from the referee that the goal's going to count. And this is the opposite, where you've actually gone down and scored at the other end and then had a goal chalked off, a perfectly good goal chalked off, and then had a penalty conceded and uh, scored against you. It's you know, I, I can't see how they fix this, but there must be a better way of, of you know, or a quicker way, maybe. No, this is fantastic. This adds to the drama. Oh, Everyone wow. said that VAR would take away from the beauty, the drama would be gone. This it is incredible. Like a frustration. And more so for the people in the stadium than the, the people watching on TV. Yeah, I will admit, it, it is frustrating when you're there and you don't know what's happening. Even in the press area, we don't always have TVs, so we don't know what's happening half the time. Like, even today, for example, when Nangalan scored that goal and they went to VAR, nobody knew why. Nobody knew what was happening. And then all of a sudden, we were thinking, oh, maybe maybe Inter haven't won it. But, yeah, I, I, I like it. I'm team VAR. There are obviously some things that need to be ironed out, but no, leave it alone. Leave it alone, Kev. It's better than um, the uh, it's better than the two officials that they put in the UEFA competitions, just standing on the line doing nothing. Yeah, the the officials who aren't allowed to show they're doing anything, so everyone thinks they're not doing anything. It's I never really understood the implementation of that, but it is what it is. Um, Vito, little Simeone scored, which is which is good for him. Yeah, very a very good goal too as well. Reminded me of the two goals that Samuel scored a few weeks ago against Sampdoria. He just got the ball in his own half and just ran straight down the middle and then the angle drive. Just nice and simple, but you've got to admire the persistence and the way he dribbled that distance. So that was incredible. When I think of uh, something like that, if Fiorentina keeps scoring goals like that, not just Muriel Simeone, they might as well call it the goal a la Fiorentina, you know, as opposed to... Which is known as the Bisteca alla Fiorentina. Oh, Vito, you you never never disappoint ever. <laughs> anyway, um, let's move swiftly on from that. We've got Juve. They had a nice training match on Friday evening. They beat Frozen only three nil. Um, Kev, I don't want to bore you, me, Vito, or the listeners by talking about that game because what's the point? But Juve are in Champions League action in midweek they travel to Madrid to take on Atletico and that's going to be tricky for them yeah I think so um I think it doesn't help them really that they have the uh the second leg in Turin because I think Atletico will probably hold out well they'll attempt to hold out for a nil-nil draw maybe even so then they've got the advantage of, of nicking a goal at uh at the Allianz, and I think it's it's not going to be one for the neutral that's looking for a sort of a high-scoring, entertaining game. But uh, if uh, you know you're a lover of uh, tactical 
battles between two coaches. I think it can be quite interesting. Well, I was at the the foulest game in Serie A this season the other week when Spal played Torino, and I think this might be the foulest game in the Champions League because you would imagine both will be very streetwise, shall we say, and just making tactical fouls all over the place. But this is a game that I love watching, just those dirty, disgusting, not very sportsman-like games. It's, it's what football is all about. That and cheating and VAR being controversial. It's great. Yeah. I love it. And there will be VAR. There will be VAR. The VAR was used excellently in the Real Madrid game last week, even though despite acknowledging that it was used well, people still complained and said it was wrong, which I didn't really understand. There were a lot of articles moaning about its use, despite the first line saying, it got the decision right, which I don't really get. Anyway, that's enough, Juve. Vito, Cagliari came from behind in Sardinia to beat Parma after Uri Kuchka scored an incredible header. Um, Leonardo Pavaletti scored with his foot. But what on earth? was Luigi Giuseppe doing? He kind of like jumped over the ball. He didn't read the the ball that was coming in because uh, I think it was a free kick from Kayari that got launched into the box. Then one of the players, I think it was uh, Cepitelli, that headed the ball. And then uh, Pavoletti, as we know, he's a guy that relies on his head to score goals, but he slid in and got the ball. No, he made it 1-1, but one would think that Seppe would have read that uh, header better and be able to anticipate the ball before Pavoletti did. So it seemed like either Seppe was caught in two minds or he just wasn't alert enough to how Coyote had constructed that attack. Yeah, it was quite bizarre because he didn't really do anything. He just kind of moved himself towards the other post and never really made an attempt to say I thought it was quite unusual I think you're doing him a slight disservice I think it was at a height and it was dropping at a rate that you know if it had been higher he could come and claimed it in the air it was almost at that mid height and I think it's cowardice more than anything else that sort of then leads him to not want to go for the ball because he's either going to clatter into the person coming and he can't go and meet the ball at their feet for fear of like throwing his head while they're possibly throwing their body as well um, yeah, I think uh, you can give him a little bit of credit, but uh, uh, it was still a mistake. I'm not sure. I've seen this too many times with him this season. In terms of being a shot stopper, I genuinely think he's one of the best in Serie A. He makes saves that he just shouldn't be able to make. His reach when he jumps is incredible. But he just has this tendency to not think. The crosses come into the box. He does crazy things. People pass the ball to him. He loses his head and does two things and nothing together. And this just seemed to be one of those. Once he realizes that he's not going to come out, he should surely just jump across his line and try and stop the shot that Pavoletti's about to take. But instead he just kind of walked over. I I don't get what he was doing, but I don't want to beat on Seppe again because I've done it a few times this season. He is my um, Robin Olsen so we'll we'll let him get off peacefully this week. Vito Empoli got what was I think is fair to say a surprise three 0 win at home to Sassuolo. I would have expected a closer game, but uh, surprisingly Empoli did win by three goals, and the goals they scored were rather fantastic as well. Um, well, the second goal was probably the so-called ugliest one of the lot, 
because uh, it was uh, Aqua that scored from a Farias slow cross. And Farias, in fact, scored a nice solo goal to make it 3-0 in the second half. But the best goal was the first one by Rade Kuniji. Got the ball in his own half, dribbled about past two or three defenders, and then he had put a nice delicate chip over Andrea Consigli. So in a season which we've seen some spectacular goals, such as the few Sampdoria have scored, you know, with Quagliarella, Saponara, Ramirez and Caprari, and then Gervinho with his solo run against Cagliari early in the season, I think this Kroonich goal should be up there with them. It was that good. Big praise. Big praise. Especially as someone who's been at a few of those goals in the flesh. It's, it's a big shout, Vito. A very big shout. There was yeah. more far drama, Kev, as Kievo beat Udinese, which, no, the other way around. Udinese beat Kievo. And that kind of takes us on to the, the discussion about the bottom three because it's hard to... It was looking like things might get interesting. Frozenoni and Kievo are probably done. And do you think Bologna might have just left things a little bit too late? They're three points from safety now with Empoli winning. Do you think they can they can still mount some sort of comeback? I think it will depend on how they get on tomorrow against Roma. But I think that was a huge... I think it was less about what Bologna can do now and the fact that that was a huge... That was a huge result for for Udinese, really, because not only from the uh, perspective that they get another three points, but it's that if they if they lost to to Kievo, of all teams, really, um, I think it could have been soul destroying for the players that are there and trying to sort of fish out the sort of morale that they're going to need to to actually have a, a drive to to keeping themselves up. Mm, it is difficult. Um, I'm going to push you. Give me, give me three names. Who's going down? Well, Kievo and Frosinone, mm. and uh, no, I asked up Bologna. Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say, Empoli might still get sucked down, but Bologna. Vito, three names, please. Uh, definitely Kievo, Frosinone. I don't think it'd be that easy. I think they might have a little bit of fight, but they'll eventually go down. And I'm going to still tip Udinese to get relegated. I think Empoli and maybe even Bologna with Mahalovic there, but some hope. That's just me. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, I agree with you both on Kievo and Frosinone. I think they're in trouble. I don't know. I quite fancy Bologna to just do it now that Mihailovic is there. And looking at those teams, who knows? I don't want Spal to go down, but I could see them getting sucked into it. They're terrible at home. They're really, really bad at home, and it's so important to not be bad at home if you want to stay up. And I, I have a bad feeling Spal will get dragged down into it. But anyway, um, let's end by talking about something a little bit unusual. Pro Piacenza. We're all over Twitter today because after, what was it, half an hour, there were 16 nil down in a game because they were playing with seven players, including, I believe, their kit man. Kev? Yeah, kit man. Yeah, 39-year-old kit man. Um, because one was, of the uh, players had forgot their registration. Their 39-year-old kit man, who was more than twice as old as the player manager on the day because he was just 19. The game finished 20-0. But this isn't good, <laughs> you know, because there are things happening off the pitch that are less than savoury. No, it's 
Well, it's farcical that the game went on as it did. And uh, unfortunately, Propiacenza, another one of those Italian clubs that have been suffering from serious financial problems, and we've seen it a lot in the last few years in the lower divisions, not just at the top. They're all these small clubs, they struggle financially, and um, I think since October, the Propiacenza senior players haven't been paid, and they and they've had about three forfeits already. So Propiacenza had to play this game because if they didn't, they would be thrown out of the the Grupo Gironi in Serie C. So that's why we had to witness this farce. Yeah, it is worth pointing out because a lot of people were reporting them as being the ex Serie side. They're not. Propiacenza are bottom with just eight points, 12 points adrift of the team directly above them, although they've barely played any games. The old Serie A side is near the top. Yeah, well, they're they're level on points with Pro Vercelli. Piacenza sits second, but they have played two games more than Pro Vercelli. So they are flying, to be fair. But yeah, it's unfortunate that an Italian team was in the news for such terrible reasons. We have a question. This is Serie C, um, Girone A, I believe. So... Yeah, not great for the third tier of Italian football, but it's not exactly surprising given how some things in this country run. Anyway, guys, I think that is it. So unless either of you have anything else to say, we can call it a day. Mm, That's probably about it. uh, Speaking of City of Chi, I just want to quickly point out that um, in the Southern group, which is Girona Chi, uh, there was a game between two of the top teams, Juve Stabia and Catanzaro, midweek, ended nil-nil. But Juve Stabia could have lost for the first time if the Catanzaro for Giannone did not try and do a panenka or a cucchiaio. But he did, and he did a Marcus Swell and chipped it right into the keeper's hands. So remember, don't bother with that stuff. If you're going to score, just bang the ball in, please. If- I don't care Well. If you're not Sergio Ramos, don't do it. You can't do it. Yeah, that's right. If you're not playing at the absolute elite level, you should not be trying that. But I like that they try it because it gives us something to laugh at. Okay, quickly, Hamza has asked, uh, who's going to win the Champions League? I see. Yeah, I'll take my Liverpool hat off for a moment, shall I? I, I, I have. I would really like Juventus to win it. What? No, see, no, I have a, it's more a, it's because of sort of the, 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 they've had that generation of players that haven't won that crown. And, and and there's a little bit of me that wanted, wants them to do it. But now Buffon's left. There's a little bit of me that now wants, you know, PSG, another, another club that you can't really warm to. Now they've got Buffon it. You know, there's a little piece of me that wants him to win that. And it's, it's that generation of Italian defenders, I suppose, at Juventus, more so the club. That I would not, I would not mind seeing lift the famous old trophy. Yeah, do you know what? I I understand what you're saying. The year they lost to Barcelona, when they had, or was it when they lost to Real Madrid? Pirlo, Pogba. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Benucci, Barzali, Chiellini, Buffon, the whole mm. lot. I, I I did kind of want them to do it then, for the players more than the club. Yeah, but then, as a club, 
yeah hard to warm to a lot of people at that club listen to this podcast so let's not get into it too much (laughs) especially in the press office and they let us go to games so anyway um yeah i can't bring myself to want juventus to win it this year especially since cristiano ronaldo went and there's just something funny about if madrid won it i don't really want them to win it but it'd be nice for them to win it without ronaldo I'd love Atletico Madrid to win it, to be honest, but I can't see it. They're too inconsistent. I thought you were going to go Liverpool for a moment. No, but I could see that happening. Liverpool are a really good team, but they're not very likable if you're Irish and don't support them. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I want Atletico Madrid to win it, but I don't think they will. Who do I think will? They're overdue. Yeah, they are, aren't they? And the, the finals at the Wanda Metropolitano this season, so that will be fantastic. Vito, have you got a prediction? Look up. I reckon whoever wins the Juventus Atletico tie is good enough to win it, but I do fancy Liverpool's chances, especially now that they got Allison instead of Carrier. So I think uh, that helps them a lot. I don't believe Real Madrid or Barca will win it. I don't think uh, they've got the edge this year, but that's just my view. Um, but I wouldn't rule out City just yet, but I'm not completely sold on them either. So Probably between you and Atletico. Mm. Kev's face just turned into a smile when you mentioned Liverpool. His face was gone. It was yeah. a, a, oh, I like a little support from my, my fellow uh, podcasters. <laughs> You've not got it oh, from look. me. Eh. Look, they had a great run last year, but I see with this Liverpool team, I think with the extra additions over the summer, I, it looks like it's not going to be a one-off. At least there's a bit of extra depth. It's just a matter if they can sustain their run both in the Premier League and in the Champions League. I wonder if we'll see a surprise winner this year, someone like Tottenham. You yeah. know, the way they played against Dortmund. It's interesting, this year, as opposed to other years, they draw the quarter-final and semi-final almost route uh, at, the next, at the next UEFA draw. So you can always plan... You can sort of plan who you're going to get in the next round, so to speak, and, mm. and teams with huge resources like City or, or or teams like PSG that have got their league sewn sewn up would know who potentially they've got in the next uh, next rounds. I hate that uh, the the Coppa Italia does that, and it really irritates me as well. The the tree instead of the open draw, but I, I don't know about the having the league sewn up thing. If it works, we've, we've seen Bayern in recent seasons have the Bundesliga mm. done by February and then they're terrible in the Champions League because they're not playing really competitive football anyway this is probably a conversation for another time do let us know in the comments before it shuts off who you guys think will win the Champions League if you think Juve have a chance or maybe maybe Roma will go on a fantastic run again but I won't hope Zaniolo yeah, yeah Takayesk 2007 <laughs> alright guys um, thanks for that Vito yeah. We will leave it there. Hamza, we're not answering who will win the Europa League because Atalanta aren't in it, so we're not interested. So, guys. Some thought um, you 2021. <laughs> stop this. I hope. Stop and I this. hope to be there. I need to rein this back in. Vito, thank you very much. I will speak Welcome. to you again next week. No, he's gone. Um, Kev, thank you to you too. My pleasure. And for all of you listeners, head over to ForzaItalianFootball.com. Read what I wrote about Mario Cardi. Read what I wrote from the game today. Watch what I said from the game today. Kev has something going up on Aaron Ramsey. There's also something written by Tom Probert going up on Aaron Ramsey. And there will be a lot of other things to come during the week too. So head over to ForzaItalianFootball.com for all of your Serie A opinion, news, 
match coverage, everything. And remember, hashtag FIF at the games. That's all there is for me to say until next time. So it's ciao for now. Parte la sua palla dentro, primo palo, una mischia, può andare il capitano, carica il destro, il tiro, a gol, 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 il capitano! Lo sai per un gol, io darei la vita, la mia vita, che in fondo lo so, sarà una partita infinita. El sueño que hoy, un coro que sale a soñar, se ayuda a la noche, no mata minuti per soñar, en Osurri, hoy estaremos aquí en Osurri, pazzi como Tenero Osurri, no fate ti soffrire, ma va bene, vincere. Continuero el sol en el vento, la mi festa, pero siempre vibro, siempre vibro, con questi colori de la testa, nero azurri, yo vi seguiro nero azurri, siempre li vibro nero azurri, questa mi esperanza, de la esencia, no vivo a Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. 
Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.